a Superman action figure in a toy coffin, a blue shirt and red jacket, a first flight in the sun above the Arctic tundra. These are some of the moments that define my Superman fandom. Together on this podcast, we journey across time and media to examine, discover, and reconsider the creative visions that have shaped the Man of Steel. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the black and white edition of Zack Snyder's Justice League is returning guest and real-life Lobo cosplayer, Justin DeVoe. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to it. Like, months ago, you were like, you want to do Justice League Grey? I'm like, fucking do I? What are you kidding? Of course, man. It's always good to see you, dude. I love your intro, because like I said, I'm on that other show, and it's just like, dude, you want to start now? And it's never any good. And then I come on here, I'm like, I better have my P's and Q's ready, man. That's awesome, man. No, I love what you do. And I appreciate uh, you and, and your podcasting pals having me on your show, Shadadigans. We did that a few months ago now, but it was it was oh, a ton dude, of fun. Of course. Where, where, of can, course. where can people check out that show if they, if they want to give it a listen? If you just go to like your regular subscriber and just put in Shadadigans, it'll come up. Or Rob runs the at Shadadigans uh, fan page on Instagram. It's fun if you like, you know, foul mouth dad jokes. And sometimes you have moms on and then we have prestigious guests like yourself on and it kind of like brings us some class. And then when you're gone, we're right back in the gutter. So it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. You get some ups and downs. <laughs> no, it was a lot of fun and I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate you coming back here. You know, you were on months and months ago for our, our holiday themed final night episode. Yeah, and that it was, was fun. It was fun to talk about that, but I, I, you know, I wanted to bring you back, and I thought this would be a great fit. You know, I did a two and a half hour episode on Zack Snyder's Justice League right after it came out with Ken Marion. I know, I listened like immediately. Which, by the way, like your guests are so like you've had serious like grand slam people from the industry and shit. Like, like it's so cool to get like words from them and then words from like Sean, like. So people like I've seen art wise and writing wise and then dudes, I'm like, oh, I know his comic book store. But like V. Ken Marion is like, he's stunning. Like he shouldn't even be in comp. Like homeboy should be like a model somewhere. Like it's almost offensive that he's into the median and he looks that good. Like that dude, I'm like, all right, man, you're a fucking good looking dude. That's pretty cool. He listened. So uh, you, you just said it to him basically. And I'm sure he'll, I'm sure yeah, he'll he's enjoy that. Dude, I've always enjoyed homeboy's work. I never knew what he looked like. And I'm like that with a lot of like, um artists and writers and shit like that like i know the name and then when i see him like that's what you fucking look like like i met ken rockefort when i was dressed up as lobo i was like i had no idea what you look like it's not one of the things that i check i just know i just never check what people look like and v ken got on and i was like oh you like backstreet boy cute like i get it all right i see what you're doing no nah, man he's a good dude he's a great guest too he's a really good guest yeah, well, uh, thank you on behalf of the guests. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, everyone, yourself included. I mean, everyone has been so awesome coming on the show and coming prepared and like everyone's ready to have a good time. It, uh, you know, it's like I bring my own level of enthusiasm to it. And even if the guests weren't quite there, when we're talking Superman, it's like we'll make it work one way or the other. Of but, course. <laughs> but, to, but to have that from the guest, I mean, really is just so awesome. Um, yeah. so, so I'm glad to have you here. So yeah, I did that that other episode on Zack Snyder's Justice League. But again, that was months ago, right after it came out. And I figured like, yeah, it would be cool to kind of come back to it a few months later. Uh, and the the black and white edition was the perfect opportunity to sort of revisit this. Yeah. Uh, so and, um, here we are. 
And it's great because when I was listening to the first one, I knew we were going to do this one. And I'm like yelling. You guys can't fucking hear me. I'm yelling at like the radio because I was like, oh, my God, me too. Like I'm driving. I must have looked like a psychopath, dude. It was, it was such a good show, dude. So like I couldn't wait to go on like just to talk about the cut in general. But the gray aspect, because as a literature person, because I teach school, I like that it wasn't black and white. Like he was very specific for gray because justice is gray, right? Like the idea of justice being like perfectly balanced, like there is no black and white. Sometimes you have to make a decision sitting from the middle. So that was the first aspect when he was talking about like, this is my vision. This is how I saw it because he's done a ton of interviews about it. It's like, this is my vision. This is how I saw it. And this is what I want to put out there. But I understand why there's like, you know, the color one. And after viewing both twice, I was just like, yeah, I get this from there and I get that from there. That's why I was so excited to get on because I was like, oh, I can't wait to hear what he thinks about the different dynamic and color. Yeah, I'm really excited to compare notes. I'll be I'll be honest, as I always am on the show, when they announced the Justice's Gray edition and it came out really very shortly after the, the, the color edition of Zack Snyder's Justice League. As much as I love Snyder and obviously I've been a fan and I've been a defender with respect to this this gray cut, I was somewhat indifferent. I guess I sort of felt like I don't know how much this is really for me. At the mm -hmm. same time, I definitely appreciated that it meant a lot to him. And the fact that when he left the project, he had this he had, a, you know, a rough, you know, unfinished, you know, there weren't the visual effects yet, you know, this rough version of of the movie in black and white. And that's how it how it lived on his laptop for years. Mm -hmm. And whenever he would watch it or he would show it to, you know, the select few who got to see it, that was the version. So that piece of it did resonate with me. And I was like, you know what, even if this isn't for me, this is how he wants it out there. Great. You know? Yeah. Um, and again, for, for purposes of the podcast, it was actually, it did work for me because I was like, well, okay, like, like I said before, well, that gives me a new way in to talk yeah. about it again. So I went into the actual watching of it, like I said, somewhat indifferent, and I was struck by how gorgeous and how immersive mm -hmm. this black and white edition was. I was so yeah. taken with it to the point and it's like, you know, not to be hyperbolic, but I really think the next time I watch it, I, I go black and white. I think that's my preferred yeah. version now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if it's his vision and the idea is, is, is like the fairness, right? And it's his vision. It's just like, it's like a comedian, right? Like if they put out something like, this is how I want to do it. Like Bill Burr shot a, a, a special in black and white or gray or grayscale or whatever it was. And he's like, that's how I wanted to put it out. So it was like, yeah, I might, cause I went in the same way you did where I was like, I don't really fucking need this. Like I get it. Like homeboy put it out because that's what he wanted to do. But like, do we really need it? But just like you, there were parts of it, like not so much like you, but just like you, there were certain parts. I was like, that is amazing in classic black and white. And then there's other parts where I'm like, I kind of like that a little bit in color. And that's when I came up with the Snyder's list. And I was like, I know it's a corny idea, but I wanted to throw it past you. Cause I was like, so, all right, so I'm watching it. First of all, Amazon's in any fucking color. I was just like, dude, I can watch that part. Like they're just like they're th the strength and the pickup from like the black and white was almost better than the color. So I was like, that's awesome. There was parts of Steppenwolf's armor, though, that in in the black and white, it didn't look like it lived as much like it looked almost like the parts were kind of like 
like flicking up and down instead of that full movement like they did in color. So I was like, all right, well, there's some parts that weren't there and parts that were there. But what I want to throw at you, because I know your fans are like really like involved and shit like that. And I know they like give you shit sometimes that I think is fucking hilarious, but they do it out of the good nature. Um, I came up with the the Snyder's list thing because I was like, what if, and I know it's kind of corny, but what if like most of it was black and white, right? But then a la Schindler's list, you had certain things that stand out with a splash of color. So like the eye beams or whatever, red, right? Um, uh, like the the lightning or whatever. I was like, you know what? Like little, little dabs in, like I thought that would have been pretty cool. Like, you know, fucking Cyborg's eye or her lasso at some points. Like I thought that would have been kind of a dope way to experiment with it. But like, I don't know, like would that have killed the the full black and white classic for you? Like, where do you stand on that? Oh, that's such a good question. And it's funny because you can hear the you can hear the haters out there already being like, well, we don't need yet a third version of this. But well, look, they can say that on the computer. I'm going to New York in September. They can come and say it to me or they can bitch behind a computer because anybody who's brave enough to fucking keyboard commando, you should be able to come to me. My name is Justin DeVoe. I live and I'll tell you where I live. You could PM me. You could give me all your problems and then I'll meet you in person and we'll see how fucking brave you are then. Go for it. I don't care. There you go. I love it. Uh, but no, that's such a good question. I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, something like that could be really cool. I think ultimately yeah. I sort of, especially after everything this man went through, I sort of come down and like, if that's something that he would think is cool and would want to do, you know, then then great. Yeah. And I would say go for it. And I, and I think, yeah, I mean, it, but just aesthetically speaking, it's like, yeah, would it, would it, quote unquote ruin the experience and take you out of it like if you're primarily in the black and white world and then you have those little splashes of color i don't know i think that could work actually i think that could be pretty cool yeah. and like again people are going to we talked about this in shenanigans we talked about it in every show that we've been on people are going to find something to fucking complain about it doesn't matter what it is and the people who give the wide swathing of like this all sucks no, it doesn't, dude. Nothing that you've ever seen just sucks completely. There was one part of everything that you're like, okay, that kind of like Fantastic Four, the newest one. I was like, this movie's dog shit. But I liked the way that Ben Grimm looked. I was like, okay, that's a saving grace. Everything else was dog shit. But like, you can't just be like everything. Dude, that's, bro, that's troll shit. Like, you can't, like, that never exists like that. And I'm not saying send them in, make a third one. A, if they do, who the fuck is it anyone's business? So don't watch it. It's kind of like if there's a song you don't like, you skip past it. Don't like spend your day going, I can't wait to fucking like, dude, settle down, relax. Because if they did make a third one and you don't want to watch it with those little color splashes in, which I think would be pretty cool and pretty dynamic, like especially at the end where the flash is running around, like just the streaks were red. Like I thought that would be kind of cool. And it's like, if you don't want to watch it, don't fuck away. It's the same thing with the Snyder Cut in general. If you didn't want to watch it, don't fucking watch it. But don't bitch at somebody who wants to watch it. Because then, like I said, call them up, meet them out for coffee, and see how tough you are. Like, because then that to me is just like, you're just trying to like flex nuts. And like, that's not fair, dude. Like, let people just enjoy shit. Like, I don't understand like that. Like, come out with 15 versions. Watch one. Who gives a shit? Like, it doesn't even matter. I could not agree more. <laughs> with with this and this actually speaks to something that you know has it comes up every time we talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League on here or Zack Snyder's take on the character generally on here and 
I, I guess I, it's it's part of the conversation. I, I guess maybe it has to be, but it, and that's okay. Like if you have discourse with somebody, and you're going back and forth, and you have like evidence based arguments or even passion based arguments, that's okay. It doesn't have to turn into personal attacks. Like it doesn't have to do that. Well, why would you do that? That's none of your fucking business. It's none of your business what I like. So it's just like you can attack the movie. That's fine. And just like I do at school, if you have evidence-based, like if your shit is evidence-based, it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong because you're pulling evidence to prove one side or another. If you want to have like the one dude that goes back and forth with you all the time, I like that dude. He's like, I didn't like this because of this and this is what you thought and blah, blah, blah. Like that's okay. But when someone just is a dick just for the sake of being a dick, like that sucks. Like don't, don't, don't yuck someone's yum. Like you don't have to do that. Like you don't, especially when it's behind the safety of a computer, especially when it's behind the safety of a computer. Yes. I suspect you might be, I don't know if you're referring to Zach, my Facebook friends. I mean, we're friends in real life too, but on Facebook is where you see it. I think it. so. I think so. I don't know, but he's always bitching about the Snyder cut, but I like, I like dude's insight and he's never like Anthony, you suck. He's always just like, well, I didn't like this about this, but like, at least he keeps it civil. Yes. And to his credit, he does. And, you know, and I do think it's important you know, you're not always going to agree with everyone. It is important to be able to at least understand the other position and make, make a reasoned argument and maybe at a certain point be comfortable to say like, okay, we see this differently. We can still be friends. And I've seen you guys do that. And I've seen you guys do that a couple of times. And one of the things, cause I'm teaching summer school now. And one of the things we're going over is hot and cold criticism. And I tell them all the time, you're not attacking the person. You're saying I would fix this. I would not fix that. And if you want to fix it, fix it. If you don't, don't. But like that, that's got to be okay. But like I said, since people were okay with hiding behind, you know, like being shitty, I'm not even talking about having a difference of opinion. When people were okay with like making fake, fake, book, fake, fake Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts and like literally just ruining someone's day, like that's bullshit, man. Just, just let people enjoy stuff. I just don't get it. Like I really enjoyed this because the one thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about which you talked about when you were on with VCAN was now the movie made sense. The weed cut just didn't make, it didn't fucking make sense. I was like, why is like, what the fuck? So one of the things I wanted to point out in the gray version, also in the other one, he goes to try and get the mother box from the Amazons, right? Their whole thing was, we're going to shut a bunch of stone doors. And it's like, who gives a fuck? He's Steppenwolf, dude. It like, he's going through that fucking stone door. But the one thing that they cut out of the, the, the Whedon cut, but kept in this one. After that, it plunged into the what? Like they had like this secondary thing. Like, why would you, why that? Why are you taking that out? Like, cause, oh, it's a stone wall. Who gives a shit? Like the guy just like barrel rolls through just about everything. Like, why wouldn't you, like, why would that park? I don't know, man. I don't know. But that's one of the things I was yelling at, at the, at the radio when you, <laughs> when you guys were talking. You know, I've, I've sort of given up trying to make any sense out of justice league because yeah. it, it really it defies art and reason and you know the line between what he thought was a good idea and what the studio mandated I, you know i don't know exactly where all of that falls i know that they had that two hour yeah. one time that they had to keep it to but yeah, yeah i mean there's so much stuff where you know or even you know if snyder had an alternate version of something it's like why why do yeah. you think we wouldn't want wanted this instead um, yeah. Anyway, the, the last thing I just wanted to say as far as the fandom of it goes, 
And I do acknowledge, look, there's always going to be, sadly, you know, a level of, of toxicity in any fandom. And I, I, I look, I know there are Snyder fans out there who, you know, have gone too far with this. And, I, you know, obviously I would never, you know, support that. It's funny, though, going back to, you know, Zach and a couple of other Facebook friends of mine. It is all in good fun and it's never a personal yeah. attack and I can appreciate it. That being said, and I say this with love, but it's like... I, and not not to single Zach out because there are there are a few people there are a few people in my world who like for some reason always want to remind me they don't like these movies like whenever I post about them it's like and and the thing is it's like I mean I I get it it's fine if you don't like it I understand I mean I've watched these movies a lot I've thought about them a lot I've had multiple conversations like this I've read yeah. articles it's like if you don't I understand the reasons why you might not like it I don't agree with them but like I get it and if yeah. it's not something that you want to watch you don't you watch it but you're not going to enjoy it, like that's fine but it's it's yeah. just amazing to me that they always want to tell me it's like I, all right I don't know what I guess the thing is it's like I'm not going to try and maybe there were points where I did feel a little differently and I did want to sort of defend my position more. Now I'm just sort of like, look, I've got literally hours on this subject on my podcast. Yeah. Well, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so glad this, this came up because our mutual friend, Gavin. Yeah. Right. Uh, who went to the same law school that I went to uh, and, and you, you know, you've known for years, but mm -hmm. so we have this mutual friend and I think it was him. I might be putting this on him. I know. I think this was him where I think he asked like, oh, what am I missing about these movies or something like that? He told me the same thing after my show with you or when I put up the announcement that I was going to be on with you again. He kind of said the same thing to me. Yeah. So I think he said this on Facebook. I might be, you know, confusing him with someone else. And if I if I did, I apologize. But I think he said like, well, what am I missing about these movies? And I, I literally I put the link to the podcast in there because I was like, look. I, yep. I'm not going to sit here and like type up an essay about this. It's like I talked yep. about it for hours. So, you know, yep. kind of like everything that I want to say is is on the podcast. And yep. the, and now this really is the last thing about the fandom. See, once I get going on this. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, like, oh, wait, before you go into that. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to add to that. When my freshmen walk in the door, I won't even let them, 13 and 14 year olds, get away with saying that sucks with nothing else. So it's. It's it's upsetting that like 30, 40, 50 year old, whoever the fuck, guys, girls, I don't care, can just under something be like, this sucks. Like that, like that's your flag? Because if that's where you're gonna plant your shit, I'm gonna look right over your stuff because you got no substance. Like you didn't add anything to the conversation. You added nothing, you added you added nothing of value outside of watch what I'm going to do. Like, and you know what? I hope you felt better about yourself afterwards because that's all you did. You literally poisoned like a little drop of an ocean and then eventually it just dissipated and no one gave a fuck about you or your stupid opinion. Because unless you're going to back it up with something, dude, I won't even let 13 year olds get away with it. You think I'm going to like get into an argument with someone who just puts this sucks on everything. Like all you did was prove how ignorant you are, unless you're going to back it up with something, stay the fuck out of the argument. Yeah. And you know, look, in all fairness, like our, our friend Gavin, he doesn't fall into that category, but if I'm not mistaken, he no. did say that he had not watched Batman V Superman. I think he had only he like he, right. And so it's one of those things where, again, I, I love the guys, you know, but like, you know, if you haven't watched the movie, I mean, I feel like that at least is a baseline of like, okay, like yeah. if you really kind of want to go back and forth about this, you at least have to, you know, have, have, have consumed the material. A schema of, yeah, of course. You know, um, the, the last thing I'll say 
about Zach in particular, and and if when he eventually listens to this, you know, Zach, this I, you know, I this is all with respect, and I'm not, I'm not oh, beating no, up great. on you, dude. It's like I said, I would never say something about somebody that I would not say in person. I already said I love the back and forths you guys had because it, it because at least when he does something, he's like, you know, I'm just saying this because of whatever because I like to get you riled up. That's respectable because dude does come up with some really good stuff. So no, it's got nothing to do with him. It's more like the this sucks people or fuck Snyder. Like, why? Like the dude? Like, what do you have with the dude? Just because he did something you don't like? Like, the fuck out of here, man. It just seems, I don't know. It seems childish, dude. Yeah. No, no, no I get what you're saying. Um, but it's funny. I, I bring up Zach because there is this idea that he has expressed in numerous ways over the years. And the the heart of it seems to be, like, you, meaning me. Like, you're such a big Superman fan. You love the character. Like, how could you like these movies? Like, what do you see in these movies? And I guess the thing I've I've kind of just gotten to this point where I'm like, okay, so you know I am such a big Superman fan. Don't you think there must be something of value here right. that I like, that I respond to, that I think is worthwhile in these movies? It's it's just I don't know. I feel like that argument of like you're such a big Superman. How could you like these movies? I feel like that backfires because it's like yeah, I am such a big Superman fan. So there must be something good about them. Right. Right. <laughs> and. If there's nothing or if there's something that you're like, I don't really like that. You've said that on 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 umpteen fucking shows before. You've said it in side conversations we had. You're like, I don't really like that incarnation, but I did like this. So like you might not have liked something in completion, but you're like, oh, but that part was really cool. And I'm the same way when we get into the the man of tomorrow conversation, there's like right now, like the Lobo incarnation, and you know me. There's certain aspects of it that I can't fucking stand, but we'll we'll table that for later. Yeah, so you and I are doing an episode of the Patreon-exclusive Digging Deeper podcast, and we're going to talk about the Superman Man of Tomorrow uh, animated movie from 2020, and, and that'll yep. be a lot of fun. And Lobo played a big role, and I know he's a favorite character of yours, so, so, so that'll be great. I guess, ultimately, when we talk about the debates surrounding Snyder and his take on Superman in particular, but the DC Universe as a whole... I guess what sort of irks me is, you know, I've I've really come to appreciate, especially over the course of doing this podcast and taking a long view of the character, I've come to appreciate that there are different ways to interpret Superman that still maintain the core of who he is. Yeah. And I guess what frustrates me is, like when we're talking about Snyder, I'm not saying this is the only way that you can validly present the character. I would never say that. Yet, I feel like for, for the real detractors of his work, there, there seems to be this feeling of like, it's not a valid take on the character. And that's what really gets me. It's like, if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But I really disagree, you know, when, when people really get into this, like, he just doesn't get the character. He's not heroic. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, are we watching the same movies? I, it just, it drives me nuts. Yeah. That's the piece of it um, that, that I do find a, a little bit frustrating. Right. Well, that's why when people get into like the who would win fight, like I think we've had this conversation before, especially based on like, well, how do you like this incarnation? There's been thousands of writers that have touched all of these characters. You're never going to like all of them. You're never going to agree with all of them. You're going to be like, I really didn't like the way he wrote that. But like, okay, like I always say, you want to write a Superman book, get your fucking ideas together, write one up, call up fucking DC. 
because you're never going to like everything. Like, a th like so many people have been like, you know what? I kind of want to take Superman in this direction. And it's like, okay, if you don't like it, be like, you know what? I really didn't dig it, but I'm not going to tell the writer that his fucking mom should die, which is some of the shit that you see on like Instagram and stuff like that. Like, if you don't like it, you just don't like it, but you read it. So now for future arguments, you have that schema to be like, you know, and you know, um, when so-and-so wrote this book, he did this and I really wasn't into it, but it kind of set me up for this future thing. When people just, just cut shit off, like directly at the legs, I feel like they're not gearing themselves up for future arguments where they could use that information, especially to people who I've also seen been like, I'd never watch that fucking movie. Well, then you ain't got the right to talk about the fucking movie. Like, if you're not at least giving it a shot, so many people are like, I'm not sitting through a four-hour Justice League movie. Okay, well then, guess what? From here on in, you're not allowed to say shit besides you didn't want to watch it because you didn't want to waste four hours. That's it. You're not allowed to talk about the movie. You're not allowed to talk about what was in the movie. You're not allowed to be like, well, I read on the internet. No, 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 no. Unless you fucking saw it, you just pushed yourself right out of the argument. I don't want to hear shit. Yeah, I mean, now, I'll, I don't disagree with that. I guess by the same token, because I, I did get to the point, and I think I did say this on Facebook, probably to Zach, or, or maybe I just blame, said it generally, like, you know, especially when this was coming out and there were people sort of, uh, you know, bemoaning its existence. And it's like, yeah, you, so, I mean, I agree with you. It's like, if you want to have an opinion on it, I think, I do think you should check it out for yourself. At the same yeah. time, like, if, if, it's so antithetical to like the way you see these characters and it's so offensive to you and you just hate the idea of it. It's like, you don't have to, because I'm also not a fan of people like, like hate watching it, like watching it just solely for the purpose of bashing it. As soon as you finish, I'm going to touch on that. Go ahead. Oh, because now I'm, oof. yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's, ahead. that's basically the gist of it where, and because I did say like, I mean, and I think Zach like is an example. And the thing is, it's like, I didn't and wouldn't say to Zach, like, you have to watch this movie. It's like, you've seen like because here's the thing with zach he did watch man of steel he did watch batman v superman he's been very clear yeah. like he doesn't like the way the characters are portrayed in the snyderverse and so he's somebody who i think it's you know i would would and i think did say to him like all right like these just probably aren't for you like it's okay you don't have to watch it yeah it's kind of like and the point that i wanted to make to piggyback on yours is like you can't start a movie already with hate and venom for it you can't, because then you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it. Like, look, I don't like, what the fuck is his name? Um, uh, Pete Davidson. I don't like him. I don't think he's funny. Like, he was on he was on a roast. And the reason, because I'm always about evidence, right? The reason why I didn't really dig him, he was on a, a roast. And on a roast, you rip into everybody, and it's a big comedy show. Someone was ripping into him, and he got, like, all fucking bent out of shape about it. Like, especially for a comedian, like, that was kind of like, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way. He's in a new Suicide Squad flick. I'm not going to be like, I'm not watching that fucking movie because that I'm not. Dude, if he plays a good character, he plays a good character. It doesn't matter if I don't like the actor, the comedian, how he deals with stuff. But if you go in immediately seething with hatred, you're you're going to shit the whole bed, the whole thing. And then when you do like something, you're not going to admit it because you're an egotistical asshole and you're not going to say that you did anything wrong. And that's what happens when you go into something hating it automatically. Now, counterpoint, and this is the lawyer in me, someone listening to this might be like, well, like for me in particular, because they know what a fan I am of, of the Snyder stuff. Like, well, you went into, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League wanting to like it, right? So the, there might be stuff you overlook. And you know what, to be all, in all honesty, yeah, I did go in. I was very excited. I did go in wanting to watch it. I, I can't, wanting to like it. I, I can't dispute that. But, right. but, 
Uh, I've now watched it two more times, once more in color and then again, you know, uh, in black and white. And, you know, when you watch a four hour movie three times, if there's something that doesn't work, you know, I I think it'll, you know, it'll register. And I just, in each viewing, it just continues to hold up. I keep finding, you know, new things that maybe I didn't notice the first time. Uh, It just becomes like a deeper experience for me each time, uh, which is, which is really cool. And the coolest thing, I love this so much. So, and I talked about this on the first episode that I did on this, Um, you know, when it first came out in mid-March, I, you know, I got up at 3 a.m. I watched it 3 to 7 just by myself. It was, it was a very sacred experience. Yeah. For the next viewing, my wife joined me. And, you know, she likes all this stuff, but she was not, you know, following this, the saga of Zack Snyder the way I was. Yeah. Although she was hearing it from me often enough, so she knew what was going on. But we sat down one night, and the plan was like, okay, we'll watch. Because obviously, as you and, and I'm sure most listeners know, uh, you know, the, it's divided into chapters, six chapters plus yeah. an epilogue. So I said to her, I'm like, you know, we have these really nice benchmarks. You know, we can take a break. We can, we can you know, put it aside and come back to whenever right. we want. We don't have to do it in four hours. And that was the plan going in. And I swear, every time one of those title cards came up, her response was, oh, man, like, I want to I want to see what happens next. Yeah. And we ended up doing the, those four hours in one shot. I only fudged it at little tiny, but there might have been there might have been one point where she was like, how many chapters are left? And I, I might have rounded down uh, yeah. in, in all fairness. I might have rounded down at, at a certain point when there might have been out of three chapters left. And I was like, oh, there's like one yeah. more. But like the fact that it held her interest for four hours, uh, you know, really, really says. So again, I mean, I've watched it now multiple times and um, and I like to think with a critical eye and I just I remain uh, really in awe of this movie. Yeah. And like, I don't think going into something with love equates to going into it with hate. Like, I don't because nobody on the planet has ever got mad at being like, you know what? I didn't really like it. But you know what? You do you. I'm glad you liked it. No one's ever got mad about that. Nobody. So when you go in with 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 positivity the worst that can happen is be like you know what i'm glad you liked it but i don't really like it we're just not going to see eye to eye eye. you want to go get a drink that's it when you go into something with hate you're automatically wound the fuck up to start a fight with somebody so i understand your point i just don't think it works the same way you know what i'm actually i'm gonna now argue against myself because as you were saying that i was thinking i was like you know what I've had the experience of going into something with a lot of love, ex- absolutely expecting to like it, wanting to like it, and being horribly disappointed. And the f- yeah. the first thing that comes to mind is sadly Superman Returns, and I'll yeah. you know I'll talk about that in another episode when we get there. But so no, I mean I have had that experience. So I really do think if the Snyder cut of Justice League you know wasn't up to snuff, I mean it, I I would have recognized and acknowledged that. But I'm yeah. happy to report that it really was everything I wanted it to be. And more. Yeah. And so, you know, zeroing in on, on this this black and white edition, um, you know, what's so, like I said before, it, it's so striking. It's so immersive. And, you know, this wasn't a matter of, you know, Snyder slapping a black and white filter over the movie. Yes. Like I did for our, for our video podcast here. Yeah. That's what I did for our video <laughs> podcast. Uh, <laughs> but I felt it was it appropriate. Wasn't. It was not. No. It was not because there was different like shadow involved. It wasn't just like me going on Instagram and changing a filter. It wasn't because certain parts glowed. Like it was all, like at one point, oh my God. Oh my God. The the Wonder Woman in the museum scene, it, it was it was the color. That was one of the things where I was like, I am 
okay with the gray version. There was something about the look. Like, I think they, because again, you're not going to get this in full color when, when like just a little bit of like her cheek shine or like the brace. It was, dude, it was, I watched it three fucking times. I watched it three times. And also, rewinding. Why did they cut that fucking scene short in the original one? When she's racing across, they cut most of that out. And it was just like, that shit was, because it showed, much like I said on the other show, when Batman takes Clark down and he's like, listen, these are all the boxes, contingency plans for everyone, and Wonder Woman doesn't have a weakness because he is her weakness. That really did show that like she can go pound for pound, at least, like, maybe not in the movie universe, but she can go pound for pound with, like, speed and strength and shit like that. Like, I can't believe they cut that part. That part, I was like, I want to see that in black and white all the time. I want to see that in black and white all the time. Yeah. Where well, you're talking about the, um, like, the, the terrorist heist in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, that scene was so much more chilling and intimidating and effective yeah. On both levels, from the from the perspective of the terrorists and from Wonder Woman in this cut, yeah. and I know I talked about this in the other episode, but the the I really feel like if you were teaching how to score a movie in film school, and you put the two versions of that scene side by side, even taking everything else out of the equation, just focusing on the score, you 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 could uh, you can make a whole lesson out of that because the yeah. the the Tom Holkenberg Holkenberg score was just like miles above what we got in the theatrical cut because it actually yeah. created the atmosphere that I think was intended, you know, with this scene. So. Yeah, there was, um, so the score, cause I know that I already talked to you about this and I know that this is going to be a, a, <laughs> a point of contention. Yeah. The score, beautiful, beautiful. The one thing I wish they did, which I didn't hear it, which I might have to go back when they threw in the 89 Batman sound as he's coming around the corner in the score i was like oh shit that was pretty dope i didn't hear it like maybe you did or maybe they just completely cut it out but that -na 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 -na, like when he's swinging around the corner i was like oh shit that's awesome um so that was in justice league yeah those but, but that's what i'm saying i wish that was that state okay those droning fucking crooner oh the god has come i was like oh my god like when they did Hallelujah for the trailer, I'm like, listen, I understand when you put like a song that doesn't match up with the scene, sometimes it works. I was fucking falling asleep. It just did, for me, it did not match the intensity. I kind of saw what they were trying to do. Did not, except for um, the Barry Iris scene. That song, especially when he puts the fucking hot dog in his butt. See, like, there was some humor in there. People was like, Zack Snyder didn't do humor. I thought it was fucking funny, especially with the fucking hot dog. It would have been funny if you, like, pat her on the fucking face with it. But I guess that would have made it, like, weirdly NC-17 or Raider. Yeah. Um, th that song, because of what they become, I said that shit was beautiful. But when Lois goes to the, the monument... I was like, what the fuck is this song? And it wasn't even a whole, it was like the same line repeated 40 times. At some points I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like it didn't match like her her emotion. I think it didn't match what she was feeling. I think it was more like um, um, a look at like the monument and like who he was, but I don't think that matched the moment. All those crooner weird, like, like, Tom waits on on meth. Like I, I don't know. I just didn't fucking. I don't know, dude. It just didn't do it for me. And I know it did it for you. So what about it for you? Because the I'm not talking about the score. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about those 
like injections of like uh, uh, I was like, oh my god, what the hell is this? I want a fourth version with those taken out. <laughs> Take that, haters. Yeah, well, we're just ca- we're keeping a running list of the different cuts of this that we want. There's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be fifty by the time we're done. It's funny because you know the score, the Tom Holkenberg, aka Junkie XL score, was definitely something that I was really dialed into the first time I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, and that was really what I was focusing on. And I, yes, I definitely clocked that there were a few i mean really like less than a handful of instances where there was an actual song not part of the score it didn't i don't know i guess i didn't have such a strong feeling about it that first time but then you and i messaged about it and i know you know you expressed how you felt and and so then in the subsequent viewings i i paid closer attention to it and i don't know i like it it worked for me i will say i mean there's the song so it's nick cave and the seeds. who i love who by yeah. the way that was gonna be my follow-up point when nick cave and warren ellis get together i will listen to when i go to because i'm a larp nerd when i drive up there it is literally all nick cave warren ellis stuff that's why when i saw that i was like you gotta be fucking kidding it just didn't and again love him did not like that at all didn't think it matched up not saying the song wasn't good the song in right. those scenes like when when Arthur's walking out into the the reef, that original, that doom, doom, like, I was like, yeah, like he's getting ramped up. The one they played, I was like, the fuck am I? Like, is the soundtrack off? <laughs> so when it was Nick Cave, I was like, wow, like that. But again, it's okay if I love him and didn't like something that he did. I just didn't like the way that matched up. I, you know, it's funny because so the song that they play of his when Arthur's walking, you know, into the water, you know, there is a kingdom. Right. And I won't sing it, but it's like, there is a kingdom. There is a king. I mean, it's very. Oh, no. Now you have to fuck. (laughs) The thing is, it's like it was a little it was definitely on the nose. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a subtle song. So it was the monument song. Right. right? Because it was about God, like the God will come or whatever. I was like, guy, I get it. Like, I'm I'm licentiate. I could figure it out. Like, you don't have to. (laughs) You just put the score there. I don't need the fucking words for it. I mean, it's the thing about it. Again, overall, I liked it. I get you know, if you didn't, I, I guess the thing that is interesting to me is, is that those songs were used at all because you're talking about a four hour movie yeah. and, and a junkie XL score. That's almost four hours. Like this guy, I mean, what an achievement. I mean, he scored almost the entire movie. So it yep. is kind of interesting to have really those three instances. And then, then we do get another cover of hallelujah that plays during the credits. And that was in honor of, of his daughter and, you know, and, and all of that. And I, Understandable. I love that during Perfect. the, during the movie though. Yeah. You just get those two Nick cave songs and then the song, um, when, when Barry is saving Iris. So yeah, that I would, and maybe they've talked about this in interviews. I would, I would be curious to know why they decided to break from the score for those specific scenes. But yeah. I don't know. I overall, I, I guess I liked the effect. I don't know. It definitely gave those scenes a different, you know, a different feel, um, you know, it definitely felt, you know, I don't know, slower, more soulful. Uh, I don't know. It, it worked for me, but it definitely it was does. an interesting choice. Yes, it does. But I don't think it fit that movie in those moments. I think if you would have plugged it into somewhere else, I would have been like, wow, that song really matched it up. I just didn't think they matched up at all. Fair enough. All right, let's take a quick commercial break and then we will pick this right back up. We'll be right back. If you enjoy this show, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. I also hope you'll consider joining my Patreon community. The support of my patrons enables me to produce this podcast, and patrons get rewards too, including exclusive episodes, advanced listens, and more. 
Sign up today and get instant access to the back catalog. Visit patreon.com slash Anthony Desiato. Thank you to all of my patrons. I truly appreciate your support. The Hive Comics and Games is an oasis of nerd fun and events in the heart of Odessa, Texas. Whether it's comic book superhero stories or role-playing in a dungeon, The Hive is where to be. Come tap your mana and face off against the top Magic the Gathering players in West Texas. Hive carries a majority of new comic titles each Wednesday and has all of your favorite titles in their back issue section. Follow them on Facebook at The Hive Comics and on Instagram at The Hive Comic Shop. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals. Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On to Your Shorts and Cullen on Film podcasts, available via a shared universe network. This is Mike Rappin, host of the I Read Comic Books podcast. I want to invite you to join me and two of my regular panelists on our next episode as we give our comic book recommendations and give you our comic picks for the week. On each episode of IRCB, you can expect us to dig into the comic book reader experience as we tackle subjects like our favorite colorists, the importance of a good comic cover, what manga you should read next, why Batman is the best or worst dad in comics, our favorite character tropes, dollar bin shopping, the digital reading experience, and so much more. You can find episodes of I Read Comic Books every Wednesday at ircbpodcast.com, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As we say on IRCB every week, we want you to remember, comics are good, and so are you. All right, and we're back. And uh, while we're doing some shout-outs, I just want to mention um, a local comic shop to me, The Spider's Web in Yonkers, New York. Uh, if you are in the area or if you're not, but you want to check them out uh, on their website or social media and see if you can do some mail order or something like that, I encourage you to. Uh, the owner of the shop used to be a customer at the comic book store I worked at for many, many years, uh, and he opened his own store, uh, and it's a great shop. It's in Yonkers. It's called The Spider's Web. Um, the atmosphere there is very similar to uh, you know what we experienced at my store that always meant a lot uh, to me and, and to all of us. So, uh, so I do encourage everyone to check out The Spider's Web in Yonkers, New York. And uh, I also just want to give a shout out. I was recently a guest on Geekin' Out, which is an Instagram live show uh, presented by uh, the, the Long Island uh, comic guys. Uh, they do a podcast uh, called Don't Feed the Geeks, uh, which I've also been a guest on. Uh, that's currently on that's hiatus. That's a great fucking name. Yes, yes, for sure. Uh, so I read, uh, so, I'm sorry, not I read comic books, but you heard from them uh, a moment ago. Uh, but the Long Island Comic Guys, they do a podcast called Don't Feed the Geeks. And then uh, one of the guys, TC, he does this Instagram live show called Geekin' Out, um, which I was on. And uh, really fun chats. They have a ton of enthusiasm. They're, they're, it's a really fun rapport uh, among yeah. those guys. So I do encourage everyone to check those out as well. So, you know, Justin, we were talking about the, the score here and a moment that has now become really one of my favorites uh, in this movie is when Barry turns back time and talking about the, the, the score in particular, this is the, I'm going to, I'll play just a couple of seconds mm -hmm. on it. This is the part that, oh man, it, it gets me. I love it so much. Hopefully you and people were able to hear that. But yeah. uh, when that piece of it kicks in, oh my God, I love it. So 
I love that scene in both versions. The one thing that I thought could have been sliced out of that, because again, I'm doing both, right? Like I'm talking about just the cut in general and the gray cut because of all the shit I yelled at in the car when you were doing your other show. I think his 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 thoughts at that point should have just been over thoughts. Like I don't think he should have spoke them. Like, I don't know. That just seemed like a weird addition. Like when he was talking about like, oh, dad, like I get it. But I just didn't think that that it looked good, like him saying it. Like it would have been cool if he was just racing and sweating and struggling and just have that kind of like almost in like a mystical like voiceover. Like that kind of lost. Because even in the original version, I'm like, I don't know if I like that. Like, believe me, I know the love he has for his pops. Like I get it, right? But it just seemed like him speaking it took away from what he was doing. I don't know. Like, I don't know how you felt about that, but to me, I'm like, he didn't have to say that. I mean, I liked, I liked the words, but I agree. I mean, I think that could, and I don't know, that is actually another interesting choice that that was done, that he was literally speaking it. It could have done, it could have been done via voiceover. Yeah. You know, and I, I do think that might've been, that might've worked a little bit better, you know, in, in yeah. all fairness. But, uh, you know, like I said at the top, I was I was somewhat indifferent going into this black and white edition and then a few minutes in I was just I was totally on board and like we were saying before you know this wasn't just a black and white filter that was thrown on the movie I mean this was really graded color graded yeah. for this presentation and there, I had a couple of thoughts you know one is that you know obviously this is a movie you know filled with you know the most modern up to date special effects yet you know when you think of black and white typically you're thinking of you know of older stuff Old so yeah. it really it created this like really interesting mix i you know i felt between between old and new um and then the other thing is that you know with, with this grayscale i mean it you know you're you're really living for the you know the, the contrast in the scenes and so it really does call your attention to things in a, in a different way than the color version does and and that's why like i said for me it was just it was so immersive the scenes that I thought worked the best in this. Not surprisingly, the Batman stuff. I mean, that first shot, the yeah, first time well, yeah. we see him in costume two hours into yeah. the movie and, you know, we're looking up at Batman on the roof above the, above, uh, you know, the police headquarters. I mean, it, it's like, that's the thing as a comic book fan. I mean, that was, just, was like comics brought to life. Yeah. 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 It puts you in the book, which adversely almost in the dark side scene, which I got a whole different fucking ball of issues with. Um, I loved the green lantern that's in it, but in the, in the Anthony judge cut that we're going to be putting out soon, 2023, look out for it. <laughs> like that, that single green would have been cool. Cause again, if you're a comic book fan, you know that that's a green lantern because you know, the mythos, but like just that, like spray a green, like that would have been cool or else he's just a guy blasting fucking parademons with like a fucking ring gun essentially what it was which brings me to which that part i like that whole thing in the grayscale i thought that was really cool especially when zeus is like throwing lightning bolts like they brighten that up like i thought that was really cool but my issue was like dark so dark side is this fucking world killer right he shows up he takes two arrows a couple fucking farts of lightning and he's like i'm done like what the fuck man but did you see the foreshadowing though because you know i'm a because i'm a literature dude he catches an axe in the fucking shoulder by a dude and later clark catches an axe but it takes out dark side and doesn't take out clark i was like yo that's fucking good storytelling he's uh, he's he's from the same perspective he's lower and it hits him 
in the opposite shoulder and it cuts into dark side, which is just a regular fucking weapon. Oh, well, no. Well, that was Ares, right? Yeah, I think so. Right. Yeah. So like it, it cuts in the dark side, but in the Clark scene, he takes it like a fucking champ. I was like, I loved that, that foreshadowing and symbolism to what was going to happen later. I said, that was really fucking nicely done, man. That is really cool. I don't, I didn't really, uh, make that connection. So I'm glad you brought that up. That is, that is really cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, in addition to the Batman scenes and, and, you know, to your point about like Zeus and the lightning bolt, I thought that the flash scenes just looked incredible when he was using his powers in, in black and white. Uh, you know, that was an area where I felt it just, it came alive in, in a different way. And then kind of on a, on a much smaller level, I guess, but an instance of, of where I, I really appreciated something more in black and white than I did before. When Clark is resurrected and he shoots up into the sky, it's the choices I, I are really interesting because, you know, we don't see him, you know, we see him in the opening seconds of the movie as we get right. the end of Batman v Superman, you know, again. Yeah, and then the yell, see, yell sonic boom thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and then we see, of course, that that yell as it reaches the mother boxes and everything. Yeah. But, you know, after that, we don't see him. And then right before <clears throat> the resurrection, you know, we get that flash forward where we see him succumbing to uh, anti-life and, and all of yeah. that. But as far as, you know, Clark in the in the present, you know, he's taken out of the coffin, but we don't see him, right? He's out of focus in, in the background. And then after the actual resurrection, he shoots up into the sky, but we see him from Lois's perspective. And... I guess in the color version, that faraway shot from Lois's point of view, that faraway shot to Clark just floating in the sky, um, I didn't dislike it, but it didn't really grab me all that much. But in black and white, just that stark contrast of that solitary figure floating up there, it was so cool. I loved it. And like her her going to the monument in the grayscale, look, it, it, it was so much more touching. And just from storytelling point of view, we didn't get that in the original, right? Like we didn't get that in the Justice League cut. She was a backup, which I guess is um um a nod to Batman, the fact that he always has a contingency plan for a contingency plan. But like the part that was left out, like, no, she showed up every fucking day, dude, just to be there and just to be around him. So when she was called in, I was like, okay, so that means that she knew that they were gonna do it, right? Right. Which is like, would she even want that to be done? So when, and you know, the whole fucking, you won't let me live. You won't, I was just like, what? That, that didn't, like, to me, I was just like, that's bullshit. Like, I'm glad they got rid of that. But her showing up in that black and white, in like a monument, like in a, a morning sense, fucking amazing, dude. Fucking amazing. <clears throat> even with like the overcast sky in the color version, I was like, yeah, that's cool. But dude, it was so much more stunning in that fucking black and white, man. I agree, and I'm really glad you you brought that up because, yes, in Justice League, I did appreciate that you know Batman had the forethought to to bring Lois yeah. in because he knew she would likely be able to you know bring Clark to his senses if that needed to be done. So that did speak to Batman, but I much prefer the way this played out here. And oh, so much more, you know, so much more. I, I upon <clears throat> subsequent viewings here, I've definitely gotten. Uh, a, you know, a, a greater appreciation for 
Lois's arc in in this movie. You know, she doesn't have a ton yeah, of screen time. Yeah, because there was one. Well, yeah, she, at least there, she had, there yeah. was one. She actually had an arc in this one. I mean, again, she doesn't have a ton of screen time, but I really think that they did a really beautiful job of showing her grief and her working through that grief. And you know what's interesting is that the the night before she goes to the park and sees Clark in the flesh, yeah. um, you know, she opens the nightstand, right? And she pulls out her press pass. Now, the first time I watched it, that detail, I don't want to say it was completely lost on me, but I was so distracted by seeing the pregnancy test, you know? And that was, I was like, oh my God, like she's pregnant. Like, that's yeah. what I went to. And now rewatching it again, it's like, yeah, that's true. There is that big development and that's really cool. And it's sad that we'll likely never get to see that play out in, in subsequent movies. Yeah. But it's like, no, she's taking her press pass. Like she's had that breakthrough where she's going to, you know, come back to the land of the living. And I think that's so critical to her journey that Yes, she's at the monument yeah. again to pay her respects, but that was going to be her last day doing that. And she says to the yeah. cops, like, this is, you know, one more yeah. time. So I thought that was, uh, I thought that See, was but great. I thought that because she's in mourning, I thought that the little like caveat I made to it was that she said that for the past fucking three months. Like, I thought it was so damaging that what if she said that every day, dude? Like, what if she went through that process every day and every fucking day or every once in a while she was like, it's the last time I'm going to be here. And every fucking morning, like Groundhog's Day, she goes right fucking back. Like that to me added a level of like, she can't, dude. She can't let it go. She can't let it go. And then when John Jones shows up, like just her apart, just the, 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 the apartment in general, just like the disheveled nature of what like she's that her part in it was so much more full then just fucking she shows up to mind me and he carries her off. He's like, I'm happy to see you fucking here's your mom. Like, it's just, I don't, it's just like, and then the whole cyborg thing, which I know was a big fucking slog and shit. People had a problem with that. They lifted all his shit out, dude. They lifted all his shit out. And I do like how they played, how he interacts with machines where it's like a whole different scene and he's moving stuff around. But I was like, why only give her a hundred grand? You have access to everything. You can just fucking create money. Like, why only a hundred grand? Give her some more fucking money. Um, yeah, but like the lowest torture, because to me, like that's what I created in my head. That like, yeah, she did say this is the last time, but in my head, I'm like, she's probably said this a thousand fucking times before. That's a really interesting take, and I, you know, maybe there is some validity to it. I, I think, I guess, where I see that there was a step forward here was the the actual taking of the press pass. Right. Because she's, you know, been on leave from the planet. So the fact that like she at least took that step yeah. cu coupled with, you know, Martian Manhunter in the form of Martha, you know, having that heart to heart with her. I felt like she's moved forward. I mean, I, again, what you're saying is really interesting. And if we're being honest, I mean, that's probably a, what you're describing is probably a more an even more realistic depiction of grief. A more lowest take almost like, yeah, I know she's all business. But the only thing that she's not really all business for, or at least has a struggle for, is her love for for Clark and her fucking job, dude. Because they've gone a, a, about that in the comics all the fucking time. She's like, I can't do that. Like, this is my job. Right. I can't. And they show that in Batman v Superman. She goes in there. She doesn't know he's going to fucking save her. She's doing that because that's her fucking job. So they show the independence of how she is in the comic. And I think puts in those little things that she's having a real fucking hard time with it. But like I said, you see it more, even more so in the black and white version. Cause it's a fucking heartbreaking dude. Like that movie is just a roller coaster of emotion, which is what it fucking should be. And not just like a fucking stamp of like two hours. Be like the fuck did I just watch?
you know, and I have more to say about the Superman resurrection, but, you know, the thing that I, I keep coming back to, especially now having watched it in black and white, because it's like, I know yeah. there have been, I know they did a black and white version of Logan and like Mad Max, Fury Road. Yeah. Like, I know there have been other instances, but it's it's rare. And the it just taking this movie as a whole, the fact that it went through, that Snyder as the director and that the movie itself went through the journey they did, the fact that we got this four-hour version, the fact that we got this black and white edition and just the the way the story was told and the and the the level of depth that we got with the characters i mean it's just i feel like it was just this singular event and i don't know that we'll get something quite like it again no. i mean it's really its own thing and i'm so and we should especially we with how when the flash movies made with keaton they clearly try to skull fuck you with the multiverse right they're like oh we got to do it right now because you know the marvel fucking but like they already had kind of had it in the works right but like now it makes mo so much more sense. like when i watch the flash movie i'm watching it with that end armageddon scene in mind because that's like the ripple effect of what happened and you know me flashpoint is my shit like thomas and fucking martha and the custom martha i got her right right fucking behind me under the comic like i loved that whole fucking play, I loved it, and I loved how it was his fault from doing something. Like, I just loved that whole thing. Um, but when I watch that one, this is the one I'm going to have in mind because the one, th two things. One, I thought the Atlantis scenes were a little flat because of the black and white. I did like those a little bit more in color. Which, fucking, by the way, Atlanteans give it to a fucking super squid and then they hide it. Amazon's put it in a fucking nigh impenetrable fucking force. Humans fucking are like, they dirt. Throw some dirt on it. Like, what the fuck? You guys didn't think about this shit at all? It wasn't um, even a yeah, deep hole. Was, no, it was like, dude, it was like, it, it was the size of the box. And they're like, just rub some fucking dirt on it. Let's get a move on. I don't know. It just kind of, you know, but that, uh, again, that was another thing. But like the, the, yeah, the water scenes, I was like, I like those more because there's so much more um like play on like the greens and blues and stuff like that i like those a little bit more especially when they open up the the air bubble to talk yeah. and shit like that like i don't know i just like that a little bit more with the color stuff but like you said the batman stuff whenever fucking bruce wayne or batman showed up in fucking black and white i was like dude you took me right to fucking page four of like any comic that i've ever fucking been in and additionally um what the fuck like in the Whedon version, like they made Batman, like Bruce Wayne, not even like a tough guy. They made him an asshole. Like he's just yeah. like, like he didn't know the language when he went to where Aquaman brings up fish. In this one, he did because he fucking would. Because much like Kevin Smith says, he was like, the way he wrote him is that Batman always thinks of what's going to happen down to Joker's going to hit me in the face with a toxic fish, right? He always knows like every single possibility out, which is why when the Riddler's like in China, 1912, he's like fucking feet or whatever it is. Like kind of always knows what's going on. So, and he didn't start the Trevor fucking fight. Like, why would he do that? Right. Like Bruce Wayne wouldn't be like, Oh, cause your fucking boyfriend's there or whatever. He wouldn't do that. And in this one, him and Diana are trying to build the league. And you saw that connection of them trying to do it. In the other one, he just seemed like he was kind of being an asshole the whole time. And a bitch. Like, he got slapped around an entire fucking movie. Like, he he added nothing to... Like, at least in this one, he gets the um, the reflector bracer, which wasn't in the Whedon version, was it? Yeah, I don't think so. No, and, like, that's how he stops Superman from killing him. He just doesn't go like this. Like, again, they took out a whole bunch of unnecessary stuff. But the Batman stuff, black and white all day. 
Atlanta stuff I would have liked to see in color, or at least in our version, it fucking will be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I hear you. Uh, no, I mean, he, look, everyone was treated vastly better in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, across the board. And yeah, Batman in particular. I mean, I I said this before, but it's worth repeating because I I feel it even, even more strongly now. I love the blind faith that this man maintains throughout the course of this movie. That's his superpower. It's yeah. like throughout the movie, it's like the age of heroes. They said it'll never come again. He's like, it will. It yep. has to. When they're talking about bringing Clark back and Aquaman's like, this is a bad idea. He's like, no, it, it's going to work. We got to do it. Like just because yeah, he's done at that point. He said he's been operating Gotham for 20 years. Like it's almost like he wanted to be out. He just wanted this to make sure that everything was okay. And he would kind of run the league from from like the old man Bruce, you know, with the fucking dog and shit like that. So yeah, dude, I completely agree. Like he was all about bringing this shit together only to be like, listen, like we have to, because like, I can't do this forever. Like, and I saw that a lot in, in the Snyder version where he's just like, guys, we have to do like, we have to, like, we have to, he's fucking, you know, he's falling apart, man. He's fucking human. Like everyone else has these fucking powers. So I do like that. He was scaled down, uh, IE, especially, um, um, the doomsday fight. Like he had a fucking lit. Like, what's he going to do? He can't take a fucking shot in the face. So he did the Batman thing zip from one line to the other Frank Miller and shit like that. I thought that was really cool. But in this one, at least he had substance. Like he ran up that, the mountain he's fucking taking out fucking parademons. Like I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And you know, I think that Alfred's line to him is very telling at, at a certain point where he's like, your guilts have become your reason. Alfred, that is Alfred. Yeah. Forget every other Alfred you've ever seen outside of um, the Gotham version, the show. Yeah. I thought yeah, he was yeah, pretty yeah. cool because it actually cool. showed like a military background. Yeah. But uh, Jeremy Irons, right? That, yeah. That's the the actor. That's Alfred all fucking day. That's Alfred all day, especially when Superman shows up in the black suit. And he's like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, but like like the like the look on his face when he actually shows up and he was like, they're waiting for you and you might be too late, but there's still like that idea of like hesitance because you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. He's so fucking good, dude. And in black and white, I think that made that better. But I want to ask you something. Do you think the black suit, obviously because of the color, was more stunning in the color version because it's obviously a black suit and fucking color? That was the one thing I thought wasn't as effective in the black and white version. Because we wanted to see the black suit and you can't really like, you know, like even when they showed the flashback of him in the traditional red um, and blue, you can't really fuck it. It's just two separate colors. So I thought the black suit, obviously, in the color version was a little bit more effective. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess I'm somewhat torn. I, I, I think what what kind of makes me lean more in favor of the black and white is that I know that, you know, that Snyder filmed. Cavill in the in the red and blue costume because the studio mandated yeah. it right and then so it was right. it was special effects essentially that changed it uh, in post so so I don't know I feel like there is something a little bit more pure I suppose about the the black and white version and, and not yeah. that, not that the the post work was so noticeable I mean I thought it looked seamless in the color version like it just looked like he was yeah. wearing a black costume but I don't know kind of having that in the back of my head I felt like I, I was into the the black and white version but yeah. I love I love Jeremy Irons and his take on on Alfred and I love you know when when Clark shows up at the at the you know not quite the bat cave but you know Alfred's workstation that complex yeah, yeah his summer home one of his summer homes yeah and it's not you know Alfred doesn't address him as Superman right he's Master yeah. Kent and I love Master that. Kent, yeah, I love that throughout the movie too. All of the leaguers, 
they're all on a first name basis. It's none of this code yeah. name nonsense. Like they're, you know, they're they're people. I feel like this movie yeah. as over the top as the threat was, you know, this otherworldly invader and the end of the of the world that I felt like the characters were really grounded and we had those interpersonal yeah. relationships that really played out I felt like in a in a real way so I I, I love I that I think I think all comic book movies do that pretty effectively cuz in the comics it translates like a motherfucker everyone called Batman Superman whatever it's comic in movies they all predominantly call each other by their name like no one calls Black Widow Black Widow they all call her Natasha right. so but they're known to the to the 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 people and known to like the newspapers as those code names i think that's really the only way you do it because i think on a comic it translates but i think in a movie if you're like hey iron man hey captain america like i just don't think it it translates really well so i do agree with that like i like the fact that and again symbolically it shows how personable they are with each other yes. like no like if we're in this like i'm not gonna call you a fucking code name i obviously know who you are whereas batman's like no one fucking knows who i am in the comic and shit even though they all do and he doesn't fucking care yes well, and so what I was going to say before, as far as like the Alfred, uh, the line about, you know, Bruce's guilt becoming his reason. I love the scene of Clark and Bruce's final scene together uh, on the farm where, you know, Bruce has bought the bank, you know, and Clark is like, you know, I can't thank you enough. And Bruce is like, well, I just undid a mistake. But I, I love <laughs> I that bought the bank, I love and the, the buying the bank line him. is funny. And, and it's a nice, yeah, it's course. a nice payoff to, you know, in a, or a nice compliment to the, the scene with the flash where Barry's like, what are your powers? Like, I'm rich. I'm rich. But, you know, the whole thing about undoing a mistake obviously speaks to, you know, something a lot more than saving the farm. I mean, he, you know, you could even make an argument, maybe Superman would have survived that fight with Doomsday if he hadn't, you know, been put through the ringer, you know, a few minutes before, you know, before, yeah, sure. So it was nice, you know, for Bruce himself and also for that relationship between those two guys to get to that point. I want to talk about the... Again, since this is a Superman podcast, you know, Superman doesn't get a ton of play in this, which, you know, if there's no. something I wish we had more of, it was that. But I understand that wasn't I the story. Don't think he, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I honestly don't think I think more would have taken away from the stories of the people and how they suffered without him. Yes. Which then becomes a Superman story altogether. And we talked about that the last time we did a show where yeah. it's like, what is there's a world with no fucking Superman? Like, that's what. I think was the key point in this, how everybody fucking functioned or tried to function without him. I don't think you need a lot of them. I think he showed up and gave the best fucking front kick perform. That mother dude, I'll watch that in any color. I'll watch that fucking kick. He lays on step and will after I watched it, I waited to you to watch it. And I <laughs> sent you like the GIF and I was just like, this is the greatest thing to happen in the fucking movie. Um, it's, it's my yeah, favorite think- Superman action sequence I've ever seen. And the not impressed, I was like, guy, it is fucking amazing. It's so good. But yeah, like like I think that he's in it when he needs to be. Otherwise, it's suffering pretty much without him and knowing how important that he is. And realistically, they die at the end. They do not do what they're supposed to do. They're saved by Barry then fucking up the timeline, right. um, which I thought was great. Because if you end that movie there, roll fucking credits, they fucking lose. So, like, I actually like that part of it a little bit. Like, they bring him back thinking he's going to be the end-all, be-all, and he is, right? But it depends on each one of them. He didn't just come back and do everything. They all had such important parts to play that it really does show that, you know, coalescing of the league. 
Like they all wanted him back, but they couldn't have did all that shit with just him. And I love that part because you get that in a lot of superhero movies where it's like, well, and that's what we're going to talk about when we get into the Lobo slash Hulk thing, which I'll explain when we get there. But yeah, I mean, I like the fact that he wasn't there for most of it. Yeah. I mean, again, like I think what it comes down to is I, I really wish we had gotten the Man of Steel sequel, you know, <laughs> but uh, no, I think for purposes of a Justice so League I. movie, I think this worked. This worked very well because you feel his presence by his absence, right? And you see the yeah. way him not being there has an effect on everyone. And, you know, the scene in, you know, the, the Bruce's hangar when, you know, they're standing around and they're talking about what the mother box can do. And yeah. they get to that moment where they realize the potential as it relates to Superman. It's like I get chills because like, like we're panning, we're, you know, we're the camera circling, right? Uh, you know, amongst the leaguers. And they all have the realization. No one's vocalizing it yet. And we get mm -hmm. those those few notes of the Superman theme. And it's just like I get chills. And so, yeah, like you feel his yeah. presence even when he's not there. What I love about the resurrection is that, first of all, I love that in this version he doesn't speak during the battle. I think that's vastly more effective. Yeah. And, and I love that, you know, it's, of course, it would have to be Lois. But I love that it's Lois who you know, is, is initially able to kind of snap him out of it, right? And she mm -hmm. represents, you know, obviously love, but also Metropolis. And then their next stop is Smallville. And that's where he really is sort of able to, to come back to himself in a fuller way. Yeah. And then it's the walk through the ship and the words of his Kryptonian fathers, or his oh, Kryptonian God, father and his Earth father that... Um, that like fully like complete the process of of rebirth and so i love that all of the key pieces of his life came together here smallville krypton metropolis yeah. everything that makes him who he is he needed all of them in order to fully come back and i just yeah. i love that so much see now let's rewind all the way back to the beginning right look at your reactions look at your love for the fucking character how dare anybody shit on somebody's passion? You don't have to have the same passion. Leave them alone. Like, look at how ramped up we are just talking about something that literally existed on fucking pages over the course of however many years. Leave people alone, dude. Leave them alone. Like, look at, like, dude, the look on, bro, even in black and white, the... <laughs> Like the gloss in your eyes of talking about something that has literally, as stated in the beginning, has fucking like, has, has, has played such a major part throughout your life. And someone's just going to come around and be like, fuck you. Like you have no class, dude. You got no class. Like you can't do that to somebody. That's like saying something like, well, I, I, um, I, um, I rescue dogs. Right. And someone's like, well, that's a real thing. That's not like a comic book thing. You can't fucking make that call on somebody. You don't know what comics have done to help people throughout their fucking lives. And I told this on Shadadigans. My dad was abusive as fuck. I used to hide under the bed to read comics because I was like, if I was like these guys, I'd be able to fuck him up. So when I talk about this shit, it's because there's like, There's a fuck. No, it's okay, man. Oh yeah, take your time. I'll get through it. I it's, all, it's okay. It's all right. All right. There's like a kid who still hides. And that's what 
got me through. So, I don't know, whatever. No, you're good. No, you're good. No, I, I, I so appreciate, you know, what you're sharing and, and the emotion and that man that comes through. And, um, you know, and I, that's I, really my problem with people, dude, because you don't know what that thing that they're passionate about, whether it's sports or whatever, like you don't know what that's done to save them, to literally save their lives. It, because it's really easy to just talk shit, but you don't know what someone's been through. And that one passion, say it's collecting fucking shot glasses, dude. You don't know what built that for them. Let them like stuff and then talk to them about it. And then their energy, because I'm like that with my friend Joe. So my friend Joe is a car genius. He, I know nothing about cars. I know how to put gas in my car. Barely, right? But when he talks about something that he's passionate about, I'm like, I have no fucking idea what you're talking about, but this is the greatest conversation you've ever had. Because when someone just lights up talking about something that they really fucking care about, like how dare you be that fucking person, man? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. No, I... It's deep, dude. Yeah. No, and, and you know, that's the thing, like, with this movie, like I said before, I mean, I really feel like this is like a singular moment as far as comic book movies superhero movies go and you know there's a lot going on in here and it's just i again i i've been a fan i remain a fan i i love what snyder was able to achieve here and you know you're talking about like you know uh, mental health right and and uh, you know looming over this whole movie was was you know the reason why snyder stepped away from the project in the first place the you know, yeah the, the yeah. death of his daughter and you know the movie is dedicated to her and we have that cover of hallelujah at the end and there's also um when barry and bruce drive off did you notice the billboard that was uh for like a suicide prevention it says you were not yes. alone and kind of on that yep. note you know they're you know that we talked about cyborg and his arc was completely gutted in theatrical cut and thankfully restored here and you really see where he was coming from and what he was struggling with and tension with his father and i, I wanted to ask you because i know you know you've just shared so much and and i know you, you know you've talked about you know mental health in, in the in the past um and i know you've been public about it um but you know cyborg you know cy that final exchange when cyborg is inside the unity Right. And they're, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to tear him apart and they're like, you know, you're a broken boy. You don't yeah. have to be alone. And he says, I'm not broken and I am not alone. And I was curious, like for you in particular, like what, what that, what a scene like that meant. Well, that, that largely takes it from a superhero movie to the other people too. And we get that. And we talked about that with Clark, right? Like he's got all these human fucking aspects, dude, dude can bet at one point during the new 52, he went in for a test and they're like, technically you can bench press the entire earth three times easily. And it's just like, he's got all this shit, but we'll always go to Lois or one of my favorite things, especially cause it has to do with suicide is the iconic scene of him floating when the girl's on the roof through day, afternoon and night, he didn't move. Stayed there. He's like, I won't even say anything. I won't even say anything. Yeah. And it just brings, like, it brings a level of, like, if superheroes were real, sure, they can, like, you know, take out fucking aliens and stuff like that, and they keep you safe. But they can also do shit like that because they understand whether because they were, they're transformed, come from another planet, like, they get it. And it's just, like... There's a, a sketch that someone did. I don't even know what the sketch is, but it's a little girl looking up at Batman. And there's a thought bubble that says, I wish you were real. Like to a lot of people, that's what it is, man. Yeah. And I was one of them. 
No, it, it, I mean, it means and then when he fixes the tape, oh, you want to talk about fucking tears, dude? When he crunches <laughs> the fucking tape because he didn't want to hear from his dad, and then they fucking play it at the end, I was like, yo, like, it's just like, because then it's not just a superhero movie anymore. It's not. It's a humanistic fucking story about how people suffer. That whole movie, from start to finish, was all about some with Barry and his dad, with with Steppenwolf trying to fuck with Diana, being by like, you let your sisters die. <laughs> like the whole fucking thing was an emotional kind of like redemption for everybody. Everybody yeah. in that story had some sort of pain that they were going through, and it did not take a superpower to get over it. It was all about what they needed to do, i.e. fixing a tape yeah. or going to visit your mom. Well, that's the thing. I mean, ultimately, you know, this was a story of orphans in one way, shape or form. And yes. what I love, I love that the bit with the, with the tape recorder that was very impactful. And, you know, that epilogue is called A Father Twice Over, right? And it, it takes its name from, you know, Silas's speech. But, you know, this theme of, fathers in particular but parents generally like really plays out across the movie but especially in that that epilogue you see it over and over right so you know clark on the farm bruce congratulating him on becoming yeah. a father right we have that um you know of course cyborg hearing the words of his father barry visiting his father and now their dynamic has evolved and barry's moving forward in his life aquaman's yeah. decided to go visit his father and then that'll lead into you know, the Aquaman movie, you know, Diana's looking at Themyscira, where she came from, her origins. Um, you know, you just see this play out. Bruce goes to his father's house, the blown out, burnt out yeah. father's house, and he's going to rebuild it. And that's going to be the Justice League headquarters. So it, it, you know, it, it just works so well. There's so much stuff going on. And I, and I love that. And, um, you know, again, and I know I say this in like every episode now, but like, especially as a father, there's so much about this stuff that resonates with me now in, in a different way. And, yep. you know, like we were talking before about Barry and, and, you know, the, you know, that exchange that he repeats when he's turning back time, like it just, you know, it, it really gets me. And Barry knows full well, he can vibrate at a frequency that he can go right through that fucking glass, take his dad and leave. Yeah. But he respects his dad enough not to do it. And his dad knows that he won't. He's like, you can't do that. You can't fucking do it. Like, you got to go and do what you got to do. Anybody in the fucking league can be like, um, he's got like, um, um, in, uh, I know it's switching genres, but, um, in, uh, the Falcon winter soldier show, when us agent shows up and he's like, I freed you. Like, that's how easy it would be. He's fucking Superman. Like, what are you gonna do? Tell him no, right. you fucking do whatever he wants. So I love that because you know, your dad didn't do it. And your dad's like, you can't, like this, you can't help. With all your power, you can't help. And that goes back to the emotional, like they go through shit too. Like they can do all these wonderful things and they still go through shit too. Yeah, I, I'll share. I get, I do get a bit misty eyed at a, at a few scenes in the movie. Uh, a lot of Lois's sequences and, and you know, that, oh, the God, scene with know. Martha, that really, I quote unquote Martha. I don't like that. Martha, that, yeah. <laughs> that was Martian Manhunter. I think it really should have played yeah, me, yeah, me too. Yeah. as Martha, but it is what it is. Um, but, you know, that scene gets me. But, uh, you know, of course, most of these are Superman related. But this is so small and I don't know but why. That's thing, dude. It's my thing. But that's when thing, yeah. they go back to the farm and then, you know, we cut, we cut back to them and, you know, Lois looks out the window and Clark's just in the field. Mm-hmm. It's something about it really gets me. I, I guess the the love of Smallville and the role that it plays in his life, but of he's course. just out there. It's like this is where this is where he comes from, right? Not 
originally, but yeah. this is what made him. And he's a man of, of the earth. And I just, I loved him out in that field. And even though we don't see him having a flashback with Jonathan and Martha or something like that, you have yeah. to imagine like that's what's going through his mind. And then what really get I mean, this really gets me is, and it's less than a minute long, but that walk through the ship and the words of yeah. Jonathan and, and Jorel. And the thing that I love, I mean, it's to hear the words that we heard in man of steel echoed again, were great. But the fact yeah. that at the end of the scene, we have, we have new dialogue from them. Uh, it was just, just put it over the top and, uh, and just really felt like we were, we were propelling the character forward and yeah. uh, so, th so that, that really resonates a lot with me and the scene with, with Barry when he's turning back time between, and especially in the black and white between the, the black and white, the, uh, the music that I played that little clip of before yeah. the, the, the speech to his dad and like literally, yes, he's like out running annihilation and it's like, you see yeah. the ground, like, you know, forming beneath yeah. his feet yeah. as he's going back. It's, oh, the, that, those again, are scenes that really this, stood out. And again, the same people that rag on people like you and me, like comic book nerds or whatever, are the same people that when their fucking sports team loses a game, they're fucking crying in the stands. So there's no fucking, like, that's what I'm saying. Don't, don't do that to people. Just don't do it to people. Cause you don't know what that's doing for them. So like all those little, like, and again, it wasn't just a action a mile a minute. We knew that. How many action scenes were in the fucking Snyder cut? Three? Like there wasn't a lot of that or new action scenes There's what? There was what one new action, maybe an extended action scene. But other than that, it was a fucking story, dude. Yes. And um, I know because Kevin Smith talks about it all the time. He's like, dude, like you'll bring something to somebody and be like, well, why is that like to the direct, like to, to, to the round table discussion and like all the up and up. So like, well, why is that cup blue? It should be red. Like we don't know what either one of these guys went through to get whatever was on the screen. They just take all the shit for it. And it was just like, it's not even the writers at one point. It's, it's literally whoever was the one that got the fucking name tagged on it. Like, you don't know. Cause then who's the guy, David Ayer is mm -hmm. like, well, that wasn't my fucking suicide squad movie. It wasn't. And the thing I thought was weird is in the, in the trailer for the suicide squad, the original one, the music that time, the music, the stoic music matched up what was going on. I'm like, this is going to be fucking heartbreaking. And then when they threw in um, like ballroom blitz or whatever afterwards, I'm like, wait a minute. Like what, what version of the fucking movie are we telling here? So I don't know. It just feels weird to, to give shit to one person when in reality, just based on all the people that I know who are like in movies or associated with people in movies, like what you put out there isn't always what comes back, but they always make sure to put your name on it. Because so-and-so from fucking WB ain't going to put their fucking name on it. They just want you to take all the shit. And when all the people were going at, like, Snyder's daughter, like, I saw that. I saw motherfuckers with, like, what, like following a thousand people, no pictures, one, one follow, being like, that's why your daughter killed themselves. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? Like, that's someone's actual kid. And it's just like, and then all these stories are reflections of whoever is putting the movie out there. It always is. You always put a little bit of yourself in everything. So whatever you wanted to tell, because it was personal or not, that's what you're putting out there. And that's what people got to fucking vibe with. Unfortunately, people don't review shit fairly. They just don't. They don't. Cause like I said, they go in it with so much hate in their fucking heart that it's just like, bro, like you gotta, then don't say anything at all. And that was one of the oldest rules. If you ain't got nothing fucking nice to say, don't say it at all because I'm a long shot. 
from fighting people in the street, but I'm the same stick of dynamite just with a longer fuse. And I don't want to go back to that because I built a lot since then. But like, you can't do that to people, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We went way off fucking because now it's getting like the emotional part of it. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. I think people should just leave fucking people alone. If you don't like something, you don't have to like it. Don't fucking watch it. Change channel. Do whatever the fuck. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I mean, listen, this has been this has been a lot of fun and, and you know, really interesting. It was great to be able to compare love, notes with you on this. Awesome, yeah. And, oh, wait, yeah. before we go, I do want to end on a fucking a funny note because we just bought the fucking room or I bought the room down. I'm sorry, everybody, <laughs> for like a half hour. When the parademons outside looking for the mother box, which is in uh, Cyborg's house, the cops show up and the parademons like, oh, shit, 5-0 and flies away. Like, what is a fucking like you, the, like the cop car rolls up here whoop, whoop, and the parademon like, oh, shit, and flies away. Like, what do you give a fuck about a cop car? I just thought that was pretty funny. Wait, was that when Cyborg was in the apartment? He's in the apartment and he's loading up his fucking handgun yeah. and the parademon's looking inside and there's people coming across the street that see the parademon and then a cop car shows up. But as soon as the the cop car hits the fucking cherries, the thing flies away. I'm like, what does he give a fuck about the cops showing up? I just thought that was funny. Like I watched that the second time and laughed. Oh, interesting. I got to check. I got to look at that again because I, I always took it as like they were registering Cyborg's presence. I didn't take it as that. It was the cop, but I got to look at it that again. It probably was, but it happened just at the same time. And I was like, he's like, oh shit, I'll spray graffiti. I'm out of here. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I thought it was funny. That is funny. And I wanted to end on something where your fucking fans are like, all right, well, they ended on something good after ruining my fucking day for a half hour. No, because I think, you know, I, I think what you, sh and I appreciate you sharing what you did. And I think that, you know, even if people haven't had the exact same experience, I'm sure there are some who have and, or even if they didn't, something, That's all that, it is, dude. something that they can kind of identify with. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it also speaks to, you know, what this movie was about and what it was able to do. And, um, yeah. it's again, you know, I, I don't know that I'll devote another full episode to it in the near future, but I've, you know, the Snyderverse generally his take on Superman, this, you know, four hour edition of, 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 of his movie. I mean, it, it's really all meant a lot to me and it's been, it's been a lot yeah. of fun to talk about. So, uh, thank you dude, for, dude, for joining me. It's always a good time talking to you, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you to the audience. Uh, so Justin and I are going to do an episode of Digging Deeper, which will be out in one week. And we're going to be talking about the 2020 animated movie, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. Man, so, I got, oh my God. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to uh, yeah. hear or watch that, uh, make sure you sign up for my Patreon page. And then of course, we'll be back with another new episode of Digging for Kryptonite in two weeks. Until then, remember, it's about what you do. It's about action. Digging for Kryptonite is a flat squirrel production. Art by Greg Shegel, music by Basic Printer. Join the conversation by becoming part of the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group. Follow Digging for Kryptonite on Instagram and Twitter and visit flatsquirrelproductions.com to explore more of my film and podcast projects. <laughs>